The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. Father, we praise that name. So thankful that we have that opportunity as, as people love you, as your children, just to gather this morning and, and sing about this great name, the power that's in it, the freedom that's in it. Lord, help us understand that freedom and that power in our lives better as we look now at your word, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Do, do, do. Okay, you feeling, you feeling a little, little Christmassy? Okay, got your red sweater on. I see it a little bit. I decided to go a little Christmas day. This, folks, is the uh, the Thomas Estate. Uh, you can see it's, it's from earlier in the week uh, when we had snow on the ground. But uh, there's our mansion right there. I wanted to uh, show you how spiritual we are with the little manger scene out there. Uh, but, uh, no, actually, I wanted to call your attention to back beyond the nativity scene there, that red sign on the house. Isn't that a beautiful saying? Well, let, let me blow it up for you a little bit. Isn't that a beautiful saying? <laughs> this is actually a family joke because uh, Frances loves this saying, and she puts it up there all the time. But the uh, nobody can read it. Uh, it's just a blur of lights. It's just, I mean, it's just there all the time. So we like to make fun of the fact that we have this on our house. Nobody has any idea what it says. Uh, does anybody know what it says? Jesus is the reason. Don't tell me you can read that. You must have just known what it, what it says. But that's what it says is Jesus is the reason. We just always, you know, that's our Christmas greeting in our family. It's just Jesus raising. Uh, like that. That's how we greet each other Christmas morning and, and everything like that. But I thought uh, the message today isn't particularly Christmassy. So that's why I thought, well, I'll wear my red sweater. So it seems Christmassy. And we'll start with this for a second. I did want to tell you that as we move into December, next week, uh, we're going to talk about the incarnation of Christ, the idea of God becoming a man, and we're going to uh, also observe the Lord's Supper next week and just talk about God in a bod would be the paraphrase of it, but the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Uh, then two weeks from today, the 17th, is when we'll have everybody in here. We'll kind of do a program as part of the service. It's one of those interactive programs, and the kid's going to sing a song, and then we're going to stay around and enjoy lunch afterwards. So it's kind of our Christmas party. And then three weeks from today is actually Christmas Eve. Can you believe that? Yeah, I know. Scary. Some of you just ran out to go shopping. I know. Uh, I'm out of here. But the... Um, uh, we were a little bit different this year, a little bit of a lighter Christmas schedule because Christmas Eve is a Sunday. We're just going to have a Christmas eve type service at 1030, the regular time uh, like that on Sunday morning. Wanted you to know that. But back to my Jesus is the reason for a second. Um, actually, what we're going to look at today as we continue our look in Galatians chapter four and five is the idea that Jesus is the reason for our freedom and that uh, also what he tells us, why he's given Given us our freedom. So we're going to talk about not the reason for the season, but we're going to talk about the reason for the freedom. Okay, as we've been going through Galatians, I told you the first couple chapters are largely Paul's personal words, and then he gets into his doctrinal teaching for a couple chapters, and then he gets into the practical teaching. Well, we're going to transition today as we do the end of four and five from the doctrinal to the practical, though actually our text today has all three elements. You'll see Paul's going to write personally, and then he's going to uh, reemphasize some doctrinal things, and then he's going to show us how this transitions into our everyday 
life. Okay, now I've got seven different places we're going to stop in our text. The first five are pretty quick, a little bit of review, and then as we really get into this transitional, uh, we'll talk about those a little bit more. Okay, that was all to get you excited. Are you excited? Yeah, <laughs> good. I appreciate both of you coming today. All right, uh, I'm glad that you are excited. Okay, are you ready? So we are in Galatians chapter 4, picking up in verse number 12. As I said, we'll st- oh, by the way, look how Christmassy the background has little candles. You guys are, yeah. Okay, all right. Anyway, brothers, I entreat you, become as I am. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. Uh, I, for I also have become as you are, and you did me no wrong. We'll get into a little bit more of the you did me no wrong in a second here. But Paul starts off again kind of personally. Uh, when he says, become as I am, he is not saying, you know, be like Paul. Uh, there is a place where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. But no preacher really wants to stand up and say, hey, you want to be just like me. Uh, that's not where we're pointing to you at all. But what he is doing is connecting with them some. He says, be like me as I was like you. He said, I understand where you are in some things. Remember, these people have been bombarded with this idea. First of all, they were, they were given the gospel of grace. And they understood that our relationship with Christ is all about faith and not about works. And then they have these, remember the group called the Judaizers that come in and and they're teaching them, no, 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 wait a minute, you can't just ha- have faith and, and gr- grace and that stuff. You need to keep the law. You need to be circumcised. So they're battling them back and forth. And basically what Paul sa- is telling them is, I understand this better than anybody. Okay? I used to be as legalistic as you could be. I knew the law backwards and forwards. But now, here I am fighting for freedom. I've made this transition. I want to connect here. This is a point that we cannot... Uh, emphasize enough. Now, I don't know if uh, you ever, uh, I'm I'm sure you would never do anything like this. (laughs) He keeps saying the same thing over and over again. Um, My my mother, you kind of have to know mom to appreciate this story. But uh, when I remember when we were in high school, there was a book out that was still a classic. It's a really good book. It's called A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm. It's a beautiful book. It talks about, he shows us God as the good shepherd. But our pastor got a hold of that, and he preached on it for about six months. You know, there's only six verses in the 23rd Psalm. Uh, So he just kept going. And I can still remember the day my mother got back in the car after church and said, if he says the 23rd Psalm one more time, I'm going to scream. Now, hopefully you don't feel that way. But I know for the last five or six weeks, I keep saying the same thing over and over again. I keep saying, not of works. It's God's grace. It's faith and God's grace. That's what it is. It's not about works. Your relationship is not about works. And I don't say that with apology because that's what Paul did over and over again. This is a big deal. I don't want to leave this. Uh, i got to keep saying that, that it is not works. It is about faith in Jesus Christ. That is the key to our relationship. He'll have more to say. And you, okay, he, he, he says you, it was, I'm sorry, you know, it was because of a bodily ailment that I preached the gospel to you first. Again, very personal. He said, basically, I was sick, and I came to you in that situation. Okay, we don't know exactly. There's all types of speculation as to what Paul's sickness was. Some have said uh, you know, bad eyesight. Some have said scoliosis. Some have said epilepsy. Uh, some have, seriously, as you study this, they have all these theories about what he has. A lot said that uh, he had just been in a low-lying area where malaria was very popular. I'm sorry, popular. Yeah, I'd like to get that. Uh, very common. So, uh, but so he moved on uh, now and, and was trying to get better. We don't know exactly, but he knew when he showed up there that he had been sickly and yet they welcomed him look at what it says i pr- 
in this bodily ailment, I came and I preached the gospel to you first. And though my condition was a trial to you, okay, I came in as a sick guy. My condition was a trial to you. You did not scorn me or despise me. Here's what you did. You received me as an angel of God. Okay, that doesn't mean an angel like, oh, I'm such a good uh, person, but an angel being a messenger of God. You welcome me in as a messenger of God. Again, Paul being very personal here, here he's just talking to me. He's saying, hey, when I came to you, I wasn't much. And I, I think we can say this about the Apostle Paul. I don't think that he was, I've said this before, I don't think he's the type of guy you'd invite to a party. Okay, I think Peter you would. Hey, Pete. Don't tell Paul. Um, uh, you know, I don't know that Paul was like a super likable, super charismatic individual. And when he showed up there, he was very sickly. And yet they welcomed him. They treated him great. Not because of his personality, but because they treated him, remember, as a messenger of God. Okay, he's bringing the word of God. Can I stress this to you as a real quick little point here for a second? Anytime you're looking for a Bible teacher uh, like that, here's the main thing to look for. Are you ready for super profundity? Are you ready? The main thing to look for is that he teaches the Bible. <laughs> okay, in our world of celebrity-driven, the culture that we have, that everything's celebrity-driven, be careful. Okay? Well, that guy's got, you know, he, he's really winsome. He's got a lot of personality. He has more teeth in his head than you should have possibly had. Uh, you know, he just looks good. He looks good in a red sweater. You know, that type of thing. Okay, we get caught up a lot of times in following people. And what we want to make sure more than anything is the person that is assigned, given the job of teaching the Bible, that they're doing this. They're teaching the Bible. Paul said, you welcome me, even though I wasn't much at the time, as a messenger of God because I was sharing the gospel with you. He goes on. What then has become of your blessedness? You were good to me. Uh, for I testify to you that if possible, you would have gouged out your eyes and given them to me. You were so good to me. You treated me so nice. Uh, have I then become your enemy by telling you the truth? Remember that question. They, this is the Judaizers, they make much of you, but for no good purpose. They want to shut you out that you may make much of them. Okay? So Paul basically wants to make sure that you understand who loves you, baby. Okay, wants to make sure. And what he is directing us to is an idea that you'll find throughout Scripture, very heavy in the Proverbs, is we want to flee the flatterer and follow the f truth teller. Okay, Paul says, okay, you treated me great, but now that I've told you some truth that you don't really like, you're going after these other people that are flattering you and telling you wonderful things about yourself. I was thinking about this uh, back when I was in my 20s. Somebody said, hey, you need to get some life insurance. And uh, so there was a person from Northwest there you go. Long before I knew Mindy or anything like that, a person that came, I think I've told you the story before, Mindy, the salesperson that came, I know she's long gone from there, but she was, she knew how to sell to men. Let me just tell you like that. Uh, she came, I, I, I will always remember what she told me because it's the only time I've ever heard these words in my life. She said, it's obvious that you work out. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> Nobody has ever said that to me uh, like that. But she, she says, obvious that you work out. She went through this whole thing. Guess what? I bought an insurance policy. <laughs> now, a few years later, she left the company. And the lady that replaced her, I remember she came to our house. And you probably remember this. She made me mad because she was brutally honest about how I was handling my finances. So you know what I did? I left that company. 
I, so I made two wrong decisions uh, in, in, the, in the course there. But what did I do? I followed the person who was the flatterer, even though what she was saying was not all that good. And then somebody actually gave me some good advice, but they made me mad because they treated me like I was dumb. Uh, and I, I didn't like that. We are prone to do that. And Paul says when it comes to ministry especially, don't follow the flatterer. Okay, there are those who are going to try to make you feel better about yourself. Okay, that's fine, as long as they're telling you the truth. You want somebody who shares the truth with you. Okay, told you we're moving fast uh, through this beginning part here. Now, it says, it is always good to be made much of for good purpose. Not only when I am present with you, my little children, for whom I am Again, in the anguish of childbirth, he's talking about this labor, this working again. Here's what he's working for until Christ is formed in you. I wish I could be present with you now and, ex- and change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. Okay, I wish I could be there. This is, this is really troubling me. What is going on with you? But, but he is giving us there, or he has given us in there, what the ultimate goal of ministry is. In fact, what I think should be not only the ultimate goal of ministry, but in parenting, in connecting with anybody, what should the ultimate goal be? Basically, that Christ is formed in you. Okay, that is what I want to run through everything. What is my goal uh, in here is to help you know Jesus better, that you're maturing, that Christ is formed in you. That should be the ultimate goal of ministry. That's what Paul said. Bottom line is I want to see that you're growing in the Lord. Church attendance, great. Yeah, if that fits in, as that fits in with your growing in the Lord. But bottom line is, I want you to know him better. I want you to be maturing in Jesus Christ. That's what we're after. That's the ultimate goal of ministry. That's what he says. Okay? Now, told you a rapid fire, one more rapid fire before we get to chapter 5. And I'm actually not going to read this whole section, these 11 verses. Paul goes into, and again, he's going back to talk about this faith versus works thing. Okay, and he refers to Isaac and Ishmael. Okay, and what happened? Do I have the wrong name up there? Isaac and Ishmael. Okay, yes. Uh, Okay, (laughs) Okay, good. All right, now, you know, there's a lot you can get into this, but when Paul writes about it in Galatians, he assumes they have a lot of knowledge of this, and I don't really have time to go back into the whole story, so I just kind of want to skim a little bit and hit the highlight of it. I did want to say this. When you talk about the beginning of the Jewish nation, the beginning of the Arab nation, there's a lot that is of interest today in what goes on there. I I just wanted to mention this. I just saw yesterday an interesting thing that talked about how Christians should feel about Israel. Uh, It was by a guy from Calvary Chapel in Ontario, came up on YouTube, and it was about a four-minute thing, and he explained it very well, I thought, in a very balanced approach, because basically what he said is, uh, you know, it's not like Israel does everything right. They didn't in the Bible either. That's not what we're saying uh, in that. So it's interesting. But again, Calvary Chapel, Ontario, uh, how Christians should feel about Israel. It's an interesting thing to watch. I I decided I didn't have time to go into that a lot today. What I did want to tell you is briefly the story. If you're not familiar, God promised Abraham a son, Abraham and Sarah's son. That promise was not delivered upon right away. And they got a little impatient and they said, Hey, we're going to help you out God here a little bit. So Abraham went with uh, Sarah's handmaid and they had another child. Okay, and again, won't go into all the complications of that, but what I wanted us to see is uh, something that Paul wrote here in Galatians. He says, this story gives us a picture. Okay, this is a story. It's a true story, but you will find actually in Galatians, it says you can view this allegorically. 
Okay? It's an allegory. The story is an allegory. It also gives us a picture of something. What it gives us a picture of is that there is God's promise and there's man's plan. Okay, God had promised a child uh, through which there would be a great nation and a Savior come. But in man's impatient, they decided to do th help God out there a little bit and do things their own way. And that is still the picture of what we get today. God has said, I've sent a deliverer, Jesus Christ. And we say, well, I'm going to come up with a religious system to make me right with God. There is God's plan, I'm sorry, there is God's promise, and there is man's plans and man's schemes, and usually the religious world is encapsulated in all man's plans and man's schemes, where the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about God's promise. So there's a difference there. Now, we will go in, and, and here's where we will slow down just a little bit uh, as we begin to look at chapter 5. And before he really transitions into here's how we're supposed to live, he's, he's going to reemphasize again uh, his message. For, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Okay, so basically he declares that you are free. Okay, you are free. Christ has set us free in him. Stand firm, therefore. Stand firm in this freedom. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Okay, you have been set free from the bondage of the law, from even keeping the law. Don't be sucked back in there. Look, I, Paul, say to you what if you accept, uh, that if you accept circumcision, okay, again, the ceremonial uh, idea of keeping the law, if you go back in under the law, say, I must keep the law, look at this next phrase, Christ will be of no advantage to you. He'll be no advantage to you. A person... I'm sorry, I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. If you're going to say, I'm going, here's how I'm going to win God's approval is through my behavior, you're going to have to keep the whole law. It's like 613 different commandments you're going to have to keep uh, perfectly if that's what you're looking for. So, so when you have added in here, if you go back under this, uh, basically Christ is no longer an advantage to you. You were, this is very strong. You were severed from Christ. You who have, uh, who would be justified by the laws, you have fallen away from grace. Okay, look how strong he is. He's saying, hey, if you want to be under the law, that separates you from Christ. Okay, you've fallen away from grace. We use that term fallen uh, uh, from grace actually incorrectly as far as this goes. Uh, you know, we talk about somebody falling from grace when they mess up. In fact, I saw a thing on a ministry this week that was fallen for grace. That's what it was called. And it was for people who had messed up and they needed help. And that's how we use it. We think they've fallen from grace. Here's it, but when you actually think about it, if I sin and I do wrong, if I recognize my sin and I repent of my sin, I actually can fall into, into grace, if, if that makes sense. So fallen from grace in this sense is not they've messed up. What it means is they're no longer trusting, they're working. You've fallen from grace. You're away from that. You've fallen away from this life of trusting. Now you think it's all about working again. Uh, you've messed up there. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uns uncircumcision counts for anything but only faith working through love. Man, I don't even have to preach that, do I? Just read it. That's, that's what it says there. Okay, you were running well. Okay, I came to you. You got it. You grasp the truth here. You're running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? Okay, these Judaizers have come. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. It's not from God. And a little bit of this leaven, a little bit of this wrong teaching leavens the whole lump. Be careful of this. 
I have no confidence in the Lord that you will. T- I, I have confidence. I'll be all right. Uh, I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And the one who is troubling you bear the penalty, whoever he is. And he goes on. And he said, but if you brothers still preach circumcision. Why am I still being persecuted? Okay, wait a minute. If I still preach circumcision, if I'm still doing this, why am I still being persecuted? What he says is, if I, uh, some people have spread the rumor that Paul was saying you ought to be circumcised too. He said, no, I'm not doing that. If I was doing that, I'm being persecuted. I wouldn't be if I was doing that. Now, I messed that up a little bit. Let me, let me explain again. Okay, Paul says very clearly, there's a rumor going around, okay, that I am saying this too, that I'm saying you have to keep the law. I never would say that. If I said that, I wouldn't be persecuted. Now, I want you to get a hold of that. If I said that, I wouldn't be persecuted. Why is that important? Because people are okay with the gospel with something added to it. What is offensive to people, see that next phrase? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. If I add works in, yeah, people are good with that. If I tell you, hey, we love Jesus, we worship Jesus, but you can add in whatever else, whatever other thought, thinking you want, uh, work that in there, whatever type of religious system you want to throw in there with them, and everybody's happy, and we all get along, stuff like If I say that, everybody's happy. I can say whatever I want about Jesus. But if I start saying, no, this is only through Jesus Christ and faith in him, there's where the offense is. Do you get it? So when he added extra stuff in there, he figured if I had added that, if I had said works too, people would be happy with it. But what is offending people is when I say Christ alone, faith alone, grace alone. Ah, that's where it's offensive. You got, you got it? Very important. And then this last statement, I wish those who unsettle you, those who are teaching you wrong, would emasculate themselves. Now, I don't know what else to say. Um, uh, but that is, that is my first response is, like, are you serious, Paul? Is that really where he went with that? Now, it's not quite a, it's very, very strong. And I want to get to that in a minute, but it's not quite as strong as it might seem because the idea of this would have come from those who um, were served in pagan temples and they would go to this extreme. So he said, if you're all about circumcision, go to the extreme. I don't care. Now, this is very, very strong, and I think it communicates to us this idea. Legalism, quite simply, is no small problem. Now, we're getting ready to leave this thing. I keep saying week after week after week. You can't, okay, I'm getting ready to leave this, but so I need to stop and jump up and down one more time, okay, and say this is not a little deal. Paul's been talking about it now for four and a half chapters to the Galatians. He's saying, you do not want to get caught up in thinking that somehow your relationship with God is based on works. You don't want to go there. No amount of obedience makes up for disobedience. I say that again. No amount of obedience makes up for disobedience. We think we're doing that, folks. We see the scale. Here it is. Here's the bad that I did. Here's the good that I do. I got to keep piling on the good and outweigh it. No amount of obedience makes up for disobedience. Our disobedience puts us in enmity with God. Jesus Christ has said, I'll pay the price for your sin. Put your faith and trust in me. Don't try to earn it. That's what Paul is saying. Don't go back to this. This is so crucial. Again, I want to bring it up again because he did over and over and over again. Now, as he goes on here, here's where he bridges over into the next step. Verse number 13. Okay, for you were called to freedom, brothers. 
Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through one love serve one another. Okay, you are set free from the law. That is a fact. Now, how is that going to show up in your life? Here's that bridge. Here's moving into the practical. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, I'm sorry. I skipped a key phrase. For your freedom as an opportunity for flesh, but through love serve one another. There you go. For the whole law is fulfilled in that. If you love yourself, uh, I'm sorry, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. So he says, you've been called to freedom. Don't use your freedom, okay? Don't take the approach, hey, you know what? This is a great match. I love to sin. God loves to forgive. Uh, you know, this, this, this is good. I like it, okay? Paul wants to make that very plain. That's not where you go. If you think this is all about I can do whatever I want, if it feels good, do it, then I become a slave to my desires. That is not the freedom that he's calling us to. There's a, a phrase in a song that I really like. I couldn't, I didn't look up the name of the song. I'm sorry, but I know it's by We the Kingdom. But she sings, I don't want to abuse your grace. Lord, I need it every day. It's the only thing that really makes me want to change. Okay? And that's the idea. Paul says, no, this isn't about a freedom that is just doing whatever you want. Uh, what he is giving us, he's telling us, you know, back to our original idea here, what is the reason for that freedom? That freedom has been defined as a spirit-given desire and ability to do what God calls you to do. Let me ask you this. When you think randomly or, what, or when you think about what others think about Christianity, do you think that the word freedom comes to mind? Okay? When they think of Christians, do they think free? A lot of times they don't at all, do they? They think that, uh, no, you're not allowed to do this because you're a Christian. And you're not allowed to do this because you're a Christian. You're not allowed to do this as a Christian. But God says, no, wait, you are free. You don't have to do those things. So somewhere... We want to make sure that we are not known by the things that we don't do, but by the things that we do do. Uh, and what we are called to do is in love, serve one another. And if you think about, remember that phrase, that goal ministry of Christ is formed in you? If you think of it, you know, that means that Jesus uh, is mature, this Jesus life, this spirit life in me is maturing. And the one who laid down his life, the one who practiced service for others all the time, now is growing in me, and that's his new life. See how that all fits together? I'm maturing, and now I can serve one another, and I'm not worried about keeping 613 different commandments. I want to walk in this new relationship with Jesus Christ and in the Spirit. Uh, when I folded up my sermon yesterday, I wanted to, uh, I thought, you know, I don't really have a closing illustration, but my mind was kind of fried, and I thought, oh, well, I, I got to set it aside for now. Got up this morning, I was walking the dog. Yeah. Great times walking the dog. Uh, but it was spitting on me a little bit, stuff like that, and I thought of this. Okay, you ready, ready for this? I'm excited about this, this illustration, this picture, what we're talking about in a new life. Uh, I mentioned last week that I don't drive school bus much anymore as far as routes go because of how beautifully the kids love to obey me. But, uh, the, uh, but I, I actually, Frances was gone this week. She was down with the grandchild, and I thought I have a little extra time, and they called, and they needed a bus driver. So uh, I drove a couple days. I drove a, a route uh, two days on the way home this week when past some of your homes, um, and uh, you need a sign that says Jesus is the reason. <laughs> but uh, the uh, but anyway, it was a long route. I mean, we started uh, we started X over by you guys over by Lynch's, and we ended up down by State Line out there in the middle of nowhere. Uh, and uh, I was uh, when you drive as a substitute, they give you this list of right and lefts, and there's only about three names per page, so you have to keep flipping through there. And there's all these instructions. So I'm driving the first day, and 
I don't mean to whine. Well, maybe I do, but uh, but it's hard because you're trying to drive. You you want to keep a little bit of an idea on the kids, just make sure you know there's nothing major criminal activity going on. Uh, and then, and at the same time, you have to read these instructions and you got to watch the road. It's not really easy. And you know, it's like. Make a right here. Make a left here. I've done in that Garver Lake neighborhood, you know, where Sheridan and Fulmer and all these. And make a left. Make a right. Uh, like that. I was going around all the place. And I got to tell you, the first day I missed some stops. And, of course, kids are so forgiving. And, uh, and, and love, to, love to be so gentle with you about that. Uh, and some of them, I'm like, I stopped two doors down. I'm like, can you walk? <laughs> One kid told me no. I had to go all the way around there. And, and like that. But, uh, but anyway, I'm, I'm driving that first day. And honestly, it's, it's kind of frustrating because I'm Step by step, I'm reading the instructions, and I've got to follow, I've got to be careful and everything like that. I'm trying to pay attention to what's going on. It's kind of miserable. Now, put me to the second day. I'm a little bit more familiar with things. And I can, I can look at the instructions, kind of glance, and, and just kind of keep going. I'm kind of getting the hang of this thing here. Shaved seven minutes off the drop-off time. I was pretty proud of myself. Um, only had to speed twice. But, uh, the, uh, but I, I shaved the time. I was doing a lot, lot better. Honestly, I only did it two days. By the third day, I could have put the instructions aside. And it is so much more freeing to drive without that paper in my hand and not have to stare at every little thing like that. Now, if you want to follow the law... There's 613 commandments, okay? And you're going to have to watch it. You're going to have to ask this question a lot. Pastor, is it a sin to do this? Uh, Pastor, is this a sin to do this? Uh, you know, and, I, and, we're, and that's, that's how we live. That's not a very good way to live. It's not an enjoyable way to live. It's not, if you want to say it like this, it ain't that all, all that much of a fun way to live. It's step by step, just watch it, you know, like that. But what God says is, I want to see Christ maturing in you. And we're going to read as we go on in Galatians about living life in the spirit and how much different that is. And now, and that's what it is like now, man. I can put the instructions aside for a second. I kind of have those written, written down. I have them up here. You know, I'm living, I'm walking like that. I don't have to be every step to make sure that I don't mess up. And by the way, this is not a calling to a lower standard. Okay, this is calling to a much higher standing. It's being like Jesus Christ. It's raising our standard of living as far as that goes, and it is so much better. That's what Galatians, that's what he's saying about Galatians. If you still want your relationship to be all about legalism, if you still want your relationship to God to be based on your behavior, have at it. But what I'm telling you is the grace of God is what you want to rest in. His grace and His forgiveness and this relationship that you have because of Him. And what you want to emphasize is that relationship that you have with Him, not the rules of the rituals. Those either. The rules of the rituals. You can get into those if you want, if they help you in your relationship. But bottom line is, that's not the end all. You don't want them replacing your walk and your fellowship with Jesus Christ. One more story I want to call your attention to. You, you may be familiar with it. There was a time in Jesus' life... Uh, it talks about two of the women that followed him. One's name was two sisters. One's name was Mary, and one's name was Martha. Uh, some of you might be familiar. Uh, Martha is rather famous in an incident where uh, Jesus is there. She is working her full head off. Okay. By the way, anybody, especially pastors, they love Marthas. Because Martha's get a lot done. Uh, they will work their full, full head off. And, and, uh, and you're always there serving and busy about everything and getting everything done. And Mary was sitting over there just kind of spending some time with Jesus and worshiping him. And Martha finally was like, 
Jesus, uh, she's driving me crazy here. Uh, I'm doing, I'm having to do every, and I'm paraphrasing just a little bit here, but I won't paraphrase this, what Jesus said. He said, but one thing is necessary, and Mary has chosen the good portion. It's not really a rebuke of Martha. Martha was working hard. She was doing very good. But if you want to know what is best, the best thing is that relationship and that spending time with him. Uh, she made that very clear. And that's, that's what we're trying to get to in Galatians. Okay? We, we gravitate. It's, listen, it is easier. Listen, keeping a list of rules is easier than trusting. It is. It really is. So that's why we gravitate back towards that. Pastor, just give me some things I want to do. Like I say, it cracks me up when I hear, we had a question and answer session uh, with the kids a couple weeks ago. It was really good. Uh, we had a great time. And all the questions were good, including this one. But somebody asked that question, is such and such a sin? And uh, we, we get the, I get that as a pastor a lot of times. Do you think it's a sin to do this? And uh, honestly, if we're living our life like that, you know, it's just, we, we have been given the Spirit of God. And what we want to be doing is walking forward and in this freedom that I have, in this freedom that I have, being like Jesus Christ and serving other people and looking to do that. Man, that's the freedom that I have. If I'm not selling it very good, I'm sorry. Well, that's not the freedom I want. I want the freedom to do whatever I want. You can do that, but you'll stay a slave to your sin and your behavior. Jesus has set us free to do what is right and good in his eyes and to follow Jesus Christ. And that's where we want to go. Okay? Anybody with me? Uh, that's where we want to go. Now, we're going to do something. We're going to take a vote, okay? You're ready for this, David? You're going to need to hear this. I asked you to sing the, the, what, what, the Joy to the World song again. Yeah, because I thought ah, that'll, that'll fit joy. We, we can do that. It's Christmas like that. But the song we sang right before that was all talking about walking in freedom, okay? So, now, I won't, I won't judge you either way. But we need to close. Uh, worship team, if you just start heading back up here, Hannah and Patience and David. Uh, but uh, I won't judge you either way, whichever song you want, okay? But we need to close with a song and just celebrate our freedom in, in him. Okay, so how many want, what, what, what is that second to last song called? Uh, place, place of Freedom, good name. Okay, uh, Place of Freedom, Joy to the World. I'll carry either way. Wait, ready? Place of Freedom, Joy to the World. Joy of the world. Uh, okay, let's let's get Christmassy again. But as we do as we do that, let me let me emphasize one more time. One more time. Okay, one more time. I I want it to be based on works sometimes. I don't know why. I guess it's my sin nature. I get drawn back into it. I want it to be based on works. I can take some credit for it. I can compare myself to other people and think how wonderful I am. But, folks, our relationship to God is not based on works. It is based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. That's where my relationship begins. Okay? If I want to try to earn my way to heaven, I am going to come up short. Paul said that very plainly. He said, you're not going to keep the whole law. So if that's the way you want to go, uh, ha have at it. Our relationship to God is based on Jesus Christ, our faith in him, his grace to us. And that's as far as it goes. And then, when we get that, we can walk in freedom. Let's stand and joyfully praise him. I, I really hope, you know, that this is something, if it's been like, okay, you missed some of this or anything like that, go back and read Galatians this week. Just go, go through and see what Paul had to say, say about that. It is such a power.
it is so much better way to live. It, it is. I live based on my relationship to him, not this list of rules. That's so much better. Get it. Okay, I'm done. We're moving forward. I'm not going to say those words at all next week, but one more time. Uh, now, as we wrap it up, what is the reason we are given the freedom? If you had to sum it up in it's one another, two words, right? One another. Yeah, that's two words. Four words. To serve one another. Okay, why are we given freedom? There you go. All right. Uh, kind of sum it up. And now we'll move forward in that, how we live for other people as we continue in the book of Galatians. Uh, we need to. We are having the world's shortest Christmas party. Anybody who has plugged into uh, at all helped out with the worship or the sound booth, we are going to, in about five minutes, I want to meet you back in my office. Uh, like I said, it'll, in fact, we're not even sitting down. We're just hanging out there for a few minutes. I have something to give you and a few words I want to share. And uh, the world's shortest Christmas party party ever back there but if you can hang around I would very much appreciate it I know Barry said his wife was sick today she didn't get to make it and uh, maybe I can give you Kevin's I don't know I don't know no I'll save it for him um, but like that but if you can be part of that okay you ready to go father help us uh, help us uh, grab onto this truth Lord uh, the people of Galatia battle back and forth with it I know we do too uh, so help us to heed your admonition here of uh, remembering that you saved us by grace through faith, and that's how we're going to walk and follow you too. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269 663 2648. Thank you for listening.